On this episode of Ice Analytics, I'm going to be talking about the power play. Just how much does it matter to your team's success? I'm going to be joined by Mason Dixon from the Habs Nightly Podcast to talk about the Montreal Canadian special teams woes over the years. This is Ice Analytics, proudly part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to episode four of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. I want to thank all of our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support, your feedback, your comments, your subscriptions, ratings, and most importantly, your listens. And feel free to reach out to me at Ice Analytics on Twitter and let me know if there is a question that you want me to explore in the future. I'd be happy to look into that and provide you with the answers. We got one month in the books, which is great. It just means it's one month closer to the end of the season. So I guess we got to enjoy it while it lasts. On this edition of Number Crunch, I'm going to be looking at special teams, asking the question, how much does it really matter to team success? There's always a lot of chatter in the media about this. We want to get into this and, and see how much of an impact it really has on a team's success. And on Stat Chat, I am going to be joined by Mason Dixon of the Habs Nightly Podcast to discuss the Montreal Canadiens and their power play, which has been a bit of a roller coaster ride the past few seasons. All right, well, let's get it started then. All right, on this week's Number Crunch, as I previously mentioned, I'm going to be talking about special teams. And how much does it really matter to team success? You know, if you listen to the media, you watch a broadcast, you read an article, a blog, a vlog, whatever these kids are doing, TikTok or whatever it is, uh, whatever people are doing these days, it's so cliche to go after the special teams. You know, if a team's not doing well, the reason why they're not doing well, bad power play, bad penalty kill. If a team is doing well, it's because they have a good power play, good penalty kill. It's so low-hanging fruit at this point that you can almost mark it down. You read an article, it's going to have some reference to this is why the team's doing well or not well. I think that we need to take a step back and look at the evidence and draw our own conclusions. How we're going to do that is we're going to look at a couple different aspects of special teams. We're going to be looking at the power play. We're going to look at the penalty kill. And then we're going to look at a combined metric. And then lastly, we're going to throw down the gauntlet and put together a nice little little model for special teams. And I'll tell you how important it really is uh, to your team's success. To start, theoretically speaking, special teams should be important for the following reasons. If, if you're on a power play, it's easier to score. You know, you got less defenders out there than you have attackers. By not scoring on the power play, it's a wasted opportunity. But more importantly, it's a momentum killer. So it's important to take advantage of the opportunities that you have. Penalty killing is equally as important for the opposite reason. If you can kill a penalty, you can change momentum and not give up a goal in the process. Special teams seems like it should matter to team success. It could separate teams that are good from teams that are great. Uh, So, you know, what? let's start with the power play. Power play gets a lot of love. I mean, who doesn't like scoring? And in recent history, having a potent power play seems to be more important than having a stout penalty kill. If you look back the past three seasons, there's only been a few examples of teams that finished in the top 10 in power play percentage that actually missed the playoffs. This esteemed list included Florida and Edmonton last year, Vancouver 
1718, and Buffalo and Tampa Bay in 1617. A handful of teams that finished in the top 10 of power play percentage missed the playoffs, even less in the bottom 10 of power play percentage that actually made the playoffs. So it's pretty obvious that having a strong power play is a good way to collect points, a good way to make the playoffs, right? Well, let's move on to the penalty kill for a second. The list looks pretty similar to the power play. Last year, four teams with top 10 penalty kills missed the playoffs. Arizona, Jersey, Minnesota, and Florida. The year before that, one missed the playoffs, Calgary. And the year before that, three, Florida, LA, and Carolina missed the playoffs. So a little bit more variability in the penalty killing than in the power play. But there's one big difference when it comes to the penalty kill, which is why I think you have to evaluate these two slightly differently. And that is the effect of the goaltender. Because your goaltender is your most important penalty killer. That hasn't always been the case for some of these teams. If we look at some of these teams that led the league in, in penalty killing or teams that didn't, we can actually isolate the effect of the goaltender by examining their goals saved against expected. Now, this is a really cool measurement. I'm using the one from Evolving Hockey, which essentially puts a value on every shot taken. And every shot taken has an expected save percentage. So for instance, a deflected shot from the slot would have a very high probability of going in. If you are able to save that high danger shot, it's not only impressive, but it's also above expected. You essentially take the difference between the number of goals you should give up based on shot selection and whatnot compared to the number of goals you actually give up. If we look at the last year, Cam Ward did absolutely nothing to help the Chicago penalty kill. Based on this metric, he actually gave up a league-leading 13 additional goals above expectations on the penalty kill. This was followed up by a few surprises, Holpe, Lundqvist, and Talbot. All these teams finished in the bottom eight in penalty killing percentage. And what this metric is telling us is that it's not a system problem. It's a goaltender problem. The average goaltender would have given up less goals against than they actually did in that situation. On the other hand, John Gibson truly does not get enough credit. The guy finished with a league-leading six-and-change goals saved above expectation, and the Ducks still finished in the bottom half of the league in penalty killing, 79% last year. Could you imagine if they had somebody else? In the net, it would be even more abysmal. Looking at some of the teams that finished with the best penalty killing last year, Tampa Bay, Arizona, and Columbus all finished very close to one another, hovering around 85%. Vasilevsky had a much bigger hand in delivering those penalty kills because he saved about five more goals above expected compared to one or two of all of the Arizona and Columbus goaltenders. Essentially what this tells us is that the scheme didn't do any favors. The Tampa Bay penalty kill was not schematically that sound. It was Vasilevsky bailing them out more times than not, leading them to the best penalty killing in the league. And that's not sustainable over the course of the season, especially the playoffs. <laughs> we talked about penalty killing. We talked about the power play. What about talking about both of these combined? Let's take the power play percentage and the penalty kill percentages, add them together. It would give us a more holistic depiction of special teams in general. You might not have the best power play. You might not have the best penalty kill. But combined, you're a more well-rounded team. That could mean something. Last year, 
There's a few outliers in the top 10. Florida, Jersey, and Minnesota were all in the top 10 of combined special teams percentages. Two teams that were in the bottom five, Nashville and the Islanders, actually made the playoffs. So what are we supposed to make of that? We got three teams in the top 10 that missed, two teams at the very bottom that made it. Maybe this was just an anomaly. I don't know. Let's go back another year. Let's look at 17-18. No team in the top 10 of combined special team percentage, power play and PK added together, missed the playoffs. And there were actually only two teams in the bottom half of the league that made it, Philly and, and Columbus. The year before that, nine of the top 11 teams made the playoffs. The only exceptions that missed were Tampa Bay and LA. So this seems like a little bit more of a reliable metric. You know, Adding these things together, looking at a more holistic approach as opposed to one or the other. Well, this is all good and I think provides us with some pretty good evidence as to the importance of this stuff and how having good special teams, like a good combined special teams, uh, can help you make the playoffs. We need to dive a little bit deeper to answer this question. And how we're going to do that is I developed a model looking at the last 10 years of point totals, power play percentages, penalty kill percentages, and accounting for strength of schedule. What does this tell us? Well, there's a couple of key indicators. First of all, your variation in points. So how many points you end up with at the end of the season. Special teams contributes to 43% of that variation. I think it's safe to say when you hold constant your strength of schedule, special teams accounts for 43% of the variation in your point totals. So it explains about 43% of how many points you end up with, which I don't think is too surprising. Most of the game is played at even strength, but 40% of your win can be explained by special team success or failure. It's a big deal, no doubt about that. So that's combined power play and penalty kill. Let's look at these things individually for a second. For every 1% increase in your penalty killing, you're gonna generate about 1.8 more points in the standings. You can compare that to a one percentage increase in power play, which gets you 1.6 additional points in the standings. Both of these things matter. Both of these things are highly statistically significant in determining your win total and your point share at the end of the year. But if you're asking which one matters more, penalty killing is the slightest bit more important than the power play. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of that has to do with your goaltending because your goaltender is your most important penalty killer. So on that note, I'm looking forward to speaking with Mason Dixon on this week's Stat Chat. Today on Stat Chat, I'm joined by Mason Dixon, the host of Habs Nightly, which represents the Montreal Canadiens on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find Mason on Twitter, at Habs Nightly. Thank you for joining the Stat Chat. Hey, happy to be on. Thanks for reaching out. Really excited to talk today. Well, this is an interesting topic, but first, uh, I want to ask, just generally speaking, there's been a lot of ups and downs the past few years for the Habs. It's the team is five years removed from the conference finals and they missed the playoffs three of the last four. And I really feel for you guys with the heartbreaking way that the season ended last year. 
you know, missing by two points. What, what would you say generally the Habs need to do to get back in and go deep? They just need to keep Bergevin's plan. They're uh, building through their youth. They've got a lot of really good prospects, especially on the defensive end. A lot of Habs fans are kind of impatient. You know, the French in Montreal, they're, they want, they're used to Stanley Cups, playoff runs, but Bergevin has a plan and in a few years, Montreal is going to be an elite contending team. So I think they just need to stick to it. They're still in a playoff spot right now. They're third in the Atlantic. They have a game in hand in Buffalo. They're only a point behind. Like, I'm not realistically, they're not going to win the cup this year. So they need to just keep developing their young guys and stick to Bergman's plan. No, that sounds great. And I, I like that you brought up this year because wild cards are going to be hard to come by in the East because of how ridiculously competitive the Metro division is. Uh, so you almost have to finish in the top three in the Atlantic to get in. Yeah, in Philly, 41 points. They'd be second in the Atlantic, and they're sitting in the second wildcard spot. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's been really competitive this year. Um, but I guess to get to the the heart of the matter, uh, one of the Achilles heels of the Canadians the past few seasons has been their special teams. And I guess we should just start with the power play because last year it was pretty depressing. I mean, 30th in the league at 13.2%. Uh, if you had to diagnose what happened last year and what improvements they've made this year or they, or they should be making this year, what would you say that is? Well, they've switched it up the last few years, when, especially when Weber came in. The only play was pass the puck around on the outside of the blue line for a bit. Weber winds up, takes a one-timer, shoots it. And that's very predictable. You knew exactly what was going to happen before they even stepped on the ice for the power play. And this year, they haven't improved that much, but they're about mid-table. I think they're like 17th in the league right now. I don't know if that's correct. But um, they're doing things more creatively. They're getting guys in front of the net. They're having guys like Nick Suzuki come in, bring that creativity, that playmaking. They're getting all their guys involved now, and that's improved it a lot more. Oh, totally. No, you're right. It has. I think they uh, they started off a little slow, but I feel like they just keep getting better as the season goes on. Like The more opportunities their power play gets – the faster they're they're rising up the charts. So I think, you know, they, they have figured out what their woes were last year, and it sounds like they're correcting them. Yeah, definitely. And obviously there's a long way to go, but their main issue is that they've made improvements on the PK. I mean, sorry, the power play, but then they've lost everything they were doing on the PK last year. So now they, they need to find that balance. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a perfect segue because uh, last year – the we talked about how um th their penalty kill was at near the bottom of the league the year before that in 2017 and 18 they finished 30th in penalty kill at 74 percent um and so yeah it seems like you know they fix one thing and then the other one falls apart is that is pretty accurate yeah and it's really frustrating as a Habs fan just it's like when one thing kind of fixed the other thing breaks and they brought in um kirk muller to really fix their special teams habs legend great captain he you know he's got all the credentials but it just has not worked and i don't know if they need to switch things up with him or maybe julian gets more involved in the special teams talk to the players i think it's really an internal thing i don't think bringing another guy in is going to fix it i think it's an organizational problem 
Because if you look, even through the last decade, the Habs have not had good special teams for a long time. No, that's that's definitely true. And with respect to the penalty kill, it's no secret that your goaltender is your most important penalty killer. And in 2017-18, when they did finish near the bottom of the league, Price was not great on on the uh the penalty kill you know he was getting like 85 percent save percentage and negative three and change goals saved below average um would you say that it was a system problem like they were just not doing as much to protect carry price or was was he having an off year that year well it's price is really hard to talk about lately because we look at the month of december yeah, he deserves that 7.5 million. But if you look at the start of the season where he was struggling, we saw that a lot last year too, especially like you said on the penalty kill. I didn't realize his stats were that bad. But um, like you said, I think it's a system thing. Along with also Carey Price, I just don't know if Price is Price as we know him. I don't think he's going to be able to bail us out as much as he used to. So I think you might be seeing some of that as well where – He's tired. He's been carrying this team on his back for almost a decade. And something needs to just change. I don't, like I said, I personally, I'm not in that locker room. I think it's a chemistry thing, a system thing. And it needs to just come from inside the organization. Someone needs to change something. No, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, like we talked about the penalty kill this year, it's, you know, it looks like it's going to be near the bottom again right now. And hopefully they can improve that. I, I guess. I know uh, some of their draft picks and some of the young guys you had mentioned earlier, a lot of, a lot of guys that can score. Um, what about guys that are like um, specialists guys that you can deploy on the penalty kill that, you know, can perform that, that role. Um, what does that look? What's the pipeline look like there? Well, that's the thing. If you look at the Habs, like their roster, they have a lot of guys who you'd think, would be good there, like Philip Dano, who received Selkie votes last year. Nate Thompson's taken really good improvements. He's so good on the faceoff circle. If he was, he started the year like top five in faceoff percentage. I don't know where he is now. Guys like Arturi Lekkinen, great forechecker. Like we have the personnel, and even coming up, we have guys like Jane Struble, who is supposed to be a really hard-nosed defensive guy. Um, Gianni Fairbrother, who's huge, great defensive defenseman. But we already kind of have, like, you have Shea Weber on your blue line, another really good defensive defenseman. So I don't know if it's a personnel issue. I Like you said, I think it's a big system issue. And I don't, like, it's hard for me to identify, right? I'm not sitting there, like, I mean, you can talk about it, say this needs to change, but we're not actually there. So it's hard to diagnose, but I do think it is a system issue, not a personnel issue. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um I uh, I don't know if I have any more questions about special teams specifically. So uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts about special teams or the Habs in general or the outlook going forward or any shout outs you want to uh, have for anybody? Well, I mentioned Lekkinen earlier. I think a lot of he goes under the radar unless you're a Habs fan. I think he's personally probably one of the best four checkers in the league. He doesn't get enough credit. So if you watch the house PK when he's out there on the ice, good things happen. I don't know his advanced stats, but I'd assume he's on for quite a few PK goals. But just going back to earlier, like it's definitely a system thing that 
and like they're in the playoffs right now and you can get by and you can make the playoffs with the poor PK. But come the playoffs, it's something that's going to absolutely kill them. When they need to fix it, they can kind of ignore it for now like they have in the last few years because they're not trying to win. But come crunch time in a few years in the playoffs, if their special teams don't improve, it's going to kill them. Until they improve them, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. Boom. That's, that's the truth right there. Yeah. Um, well, I guess my final question for you is uh, this is going to be a little lighter than – than what we've been talking about, but uh, Montreal smoked meat sandwiches on a scale of nine to 10. How would you rate them? 11. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> so good. That That's the correct answer, man. Cause I've, I've had yeah. some good ones. I've had uh, some, you know, average ones, but even like the, the average ones are still better than like most of what's out there. Say what you want about the city of Montreal. They know how to make their food. Ah, oh, dude, no doubt about that. I don't know if I have anything else for you. Like I said, you got you got any shout outs or anything else you you want to you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, I just want to shout out you, Matt. Like we were talking earlier about this um new podcast. This will be the first episode, I believe, right? This is actually a fourth episode that we're doing. Fourth. Oh, damn. Well, I really like the idea of it. The stats like talking about the whole NHL, I think it's a really great idea. Um, I'm definitely going to give it a shout on my podcast for people to come listen to. So just keep it up, man. I, I love the idea. I guess I'll have to check it out myself. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate that. And uh, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And I wish you and the Habs the best of luck this season. Well, thanks. We're, we're going to need it. So thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, you can find Mason on Twitter at Habs Nightly and tune in to the Habs Nightly podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network available on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. See ya. Well, now is about the time where we bring this thing home, review all the evidence and draw some conclusions to the question, how much does special teams actually matter to your team's success? If you look at the statistics and you look at the evidence of having a strong power play or penalty kill the past few seasons, it is abundantly clear your point total as a team, your team relies on special teams for a significant amount of standings points. The number I mentioned earlier, 43% of the variation in standing points is dependent upon special teams. These are both statistically significant at an extremely high level. And a strong penalty kill, which is led by a strong, reliable goaltender, is an extremely important element to your team's regular season success. To make this more relevant to our current landscape, I pulled the top 10 teams in combined power play and penalty kill as of January 14th, 2020. These are your top 10 teams in terms of special teams. Oilers, Bruins, Lightning, Blues, Hurricanes, Sharks, Caps, Canucks, Stars, Flames. That's your top 10. And if it's anything like last year or anything like the year before that or anything like the year before that, you can expect most of these teams are going to have successful regular seasons. It's no surprise 
that most of those teams I just mentioned, if not all of those teams I just mentioned, will make the playoffs by the end of the year. But that's honestly not good enough because we know just how important the penalty kill is. Your most important penalty killer is your goaltender. So if you look at which penalty kills are being propped up the most by their goaltender right now, hands down, there is no second place here. San Jose, who is currently 88% penalty kill. It doesn't matter if you think that number is unsustainable, which it probably isn't. What's mind-blowing, mind-blowing, considering the goaltender woes that they have with Jones and Dell, is that Jones and Dell are actually two of the top three goaltenders shorthanded in goals saved above expected and goals saved above average. This is insane. Jones, first in the league, 7.86 goals saved above expectation. Dell, 4.35 goals saved above expectation. Both of these guys at five on five are atrocious, but on the penalty kill, they are elevating this team. If San Jose somehow makes the playoffs, it's going to be because of the special team. And currently, they're sixth in terms of combined metrics. And it's not the power play that's doing them any favors because they're bottom seven in the league in that category. Somebody else is really interesting. Jordan Bennington is fourth in the league. Mike Smith, fifth in the league. If you look at these top 10 teams, some of these teams are being propped up by good goaltending on the penalty kill. And this could propel them into the playoffs. But there's also the opposite end of the spectrum. Now, none of these top 10 teams I just mentioned have poor goaltender metrics shorthanded but there are a couple players in the negative rask is as negative 1.21 in terms of goal saved above expectation which is not a big deal you know, it's one goal throughout the course of the season holpe is also minus 1.29 in the negative nothing that really jumps out none of the teams that we expected that are on this top 10 combined metric are being brought down but i will say a couple of teams that we expected to be in the playoffs this year, Pecorine's goal saved above expectation is almost negative 13 on the penalty kill. His actual goal saved below average is closer to 11 and a half, but still, oh man. Frederick Anderson, his goal saved above expectation is almost minus five. Now, thankfully, he's overplayed those numbers a little bit, and it's only, you know, it's closer to minus two, but still. Connor Hellebuck, his goal saved above expectation, minus 4.29. His actual is a little bit under four, but still, Nashville, Toronto, Winnipeg, these are probably going to be playoff teams that do not have extremely good combined special teams numbers to begin with, but then you factor in the goaltender, it paints a very bleak picture for some of these teams that are on the bubble or some of these teams that need regular season standings points, special teams is a very important route in which you get standing points in the NHL. And lastly, the most important thing we learned this episode, the one thing that I think without a doubt we can say is indisputable. Montreal smoked meat sandwiches are the ball. The next time you're watching your team flounder around on the power play or give up a bunch of goals on the penalty kill. You drown your sorrows in a Montreal smoked meat sandwich. And remember folks, drink and think responsibly.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.